The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, Smallville. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 11, which was titled... A Brief Reminiscence in Between Cataclysmic Events, and aired June 22nd, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Clark makes a startling discovery about Morgan Edge. Period. That was it. And that was probably the best non-spoilery way to explain the episode. Um... I guess. I mean, he does make a discovery about Morgan Edge. He was startled. So I guess it's factual. Okay, Professor, let's talk about this. Because, interestingly enough, it, a lot happened, but I think it's very easy to digest and to discuss. Because for the first 20 minutes, everything was told in flashbacks. And we saw extended flashbacks of stuff we had seen in that beautiful opening montage from the pilot episode. We got some greater context of some of the flashbacks. We pick up from uh, the previous set of flashbacks many episodes ago that saw Clark, a young Clark, teen Clark, departing from Smallville. Uh, Yes, there is a little bit of a wrinkle as to why we're watching the flashbacks. Uh, We will discuss that and the person who's watching these flashbacks with us momentarily, but focusing specifically on the flashbacks. What did you think of them, Professor? We got to see teen Clark uh, completely grow into Tyler Hecklin. We saw all four seasons of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, uh, retold within a it's the, within the span of like 10 minutes, you know, Lois and Clark falling in love and that sort of thing. What did you think of all the flashbacks? Did you enjoy them? Did you enjoy the, the, the greater context that uh, they gave us about Lois and Clark, at least this iteration of Lois and Clark? I did enjoy them uh, to a certain extent. I mean, uh, you, you could make the argument, oh, well, we did see a fair bit of it in the first episode. But I think it, it matters much more because having seen uh, Superman and Lois together, uh, you know, for, you know, as much of the season as we've had for all these episodes, you know, seeing their relationship as it exists now, it just makes the flashbacks that much stronger, uh, you know, getting and, and also the fact that the flashbacks, you know, in the first episode, you know, was very sort of snapshotty, uh, you know, just little moments and stuff like that. Here we got more of the backstory, more of the consequences to it, uh, which I thought was really, really effective, particularly, you know, the scenes of of of, uh, of Lois and Clark falling in love. Uh, 
uh, I thought it was, you know, beautifully done. Uh, you know, those two, you know, they just had that insane chemistry. And, you know, to play those two people who, you know, in Superman's case, fell for her from the moment. And uh, just some absolutely fabulous scenes of uh, and, and sort of, you know, clearly establishing something that, you know, is, is now canon for this show, but hasn't always been canon for the uh, the comics is that Lois fell for Clark first, not for Superman, because there's the long saying that, you know, Lois has fallen in love with, uh, with Superman, but he's unattainable. And so she sort of settles for Clark and then finds out yada, yada. Uh, I thought they did a great job of playing up the fact that, you know, Clark was just this really helpful, supportive guy. Uh, you know, he certainly didn't deserve the job he got, but hey. You know, back in whatever year it was, it still paid to, you know, uh, be an unqualified, mediocre white male applying for a job, I suppose. Uh, but I really like that. You know, it had uh, some great, uh, you know, uh, some great uh, tone and humor. And it was just lovely seeing those characters sort of embarking on the journey that has led them to where they are in the series that we see now. So I really liked it. Uh, honestly, I could have done with a whole episode that was uh, that was just flashbacks because they were so delightful. Yeah, same. I mean, it kind of got ruined because of the mystery as to why we were watching the flashbacks. Uh, and ruined, I'm just saying that because I, I was really engulfed in, in the flashbacks. They, they, was, they were beautifully done. Uh, they managed to mix in that old footage that was shot, you know, for the pilot. And usually pilots are shot, you know, many, many months before the series is picked up and so like they managed to like seamlessly uh, continue the story from some of the flashes that we saw in the pilot episode i also fell in love with lois and clark falling in love like i feel like we've seen this many 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 times and if you're a comic book reader you've probably seen it way more times than i have but uh it, it still felt fresh it felt new it felt um different maybe it's because as you said professor that she fell in love with clark first and uh you know there was that brilliant moment where uh, she's talking with her friend uh, when she's interviewing superman and and she's like superman's into you but uh, but she confesses that she's in love with someone else she's in love with clark and then superman here overhears and clearly she's talking about him and so it, it's it's it was just beautiful it was cute it was almost like a, a little bit of a romantic comedy in between you know uh, the, this fantastical series but it worked uh, surprisingly and amazingly well. I also love the moment where we got to see that Clark, you know, took uh, Lois to Smallville to meet Mama Kent, and then he revealed who he was, that he's Superman. I, I thought all of that worked spectacularly well. And also, the thing that I think I love the most, especially about Lois, because it was just a little tidbit, but seeing her be that dogged reporter, seeing her be you know, the this famed reporter, you know, before the Superman stuff, because it's like the Superman stuff is really what puts her on the map and takes her over the top, because uh, at least from what, what we're typically used to in the, um, the comics and in other iterations, she kind of has the exclusive inside with Superman and this, that, or the other. Uh, I like seeing the Lois before then, her sort of being kind of jaded about Superman, being like, oh, you know, yeah, he came from out of nowhere and he's saving people, but but, you know, there are these other things that he isn't really helping that he, he might not know about. There, there, you know, the, you know, there are these, um, 
you know, she's she's talking about just local stuff, about you know the disparity in the communities, about uh, just local crime and that sort of thing. And and I really enjoyed that about Lois. It was a tiny little thing, and but seeing her be sort of like a woman of the people, you know, really being a champion for like the little guy in Metropolis. I, I liked that a lot. And and then then seeing Clark sort of like fall in love with her passion for journalism and for her passion and telling the story of the little guy, I thought was really nice for Lois. I mean, we, we've loved Lois throughout this entire series' run here on the podcast and even, you know, the little bits that we saw of her in the crossovers. But it just made me really fall in love with the character even more. Yeah, and it also gave, you know, uh, Clark, the option, the uh, the way to play off of her in, in a certain respect, because, you know, we sort of had that sense that, you know, and we got that from many of the people at the Daily Planet that, you know, the arrival of Superman or a Superman would, of course, be the biggest story. It would be the front page news. It would be the story that everyone is trying to get. And, you know, the conventional versions of, uh, of Lois that we've seen in uh, in TV and movies uh, and in the comics have been that, you know, she was a reporter like all the others just chasing this big story. And indeed, you know, the reason why Lois Lane became Lois Lane uh, was because she was such a good Superman reporter Um, to have her play the opposite side of saying, look, there are still bigger systemic problems that a guy in tights is not going to be able to solve uh, was great. It also gave Clark the, uh, the delightful moment where she's basically saying, yeah, this, this uh, super guy has, has popped up, but it doesn't really affect these things. So she's not impressed by him. And he has that moment of that momentary reaction of almost being hurt by it, but then gets over that because he's realizing, you know, she is talking, talking about these things that, you know, he as Superman isn't capable of, uh, of fighting. And also, you know, in the, uh, the fight with the, uh, you know, uh, the baddie, the fact that it was Lois who took the guy down was just, and again, that's, that's the lowest lane that we want. That's who Bitsy Tullock has made her lowest, uh, you know, tough as nails, uh, you know, a ballsy for lack of a better term reporter who will, you know, when the guy is distracted, sneak up to him with a taser and take down the bad guy herself. Uh, it's, uh, it was just uh, a delight, uh, to see sort of the genesis of their relationship and, and the origins of, of this Lois that we've, we've come to love uh in the show mm-hmm. superman in the the words of the great canadian goddess shania twain that don't impress her much loved it it was fantastic so let's talk about the context of all of these scenes oh wait before i even go there just quick shout out to the vfx people the way that they morphed the teen clark to high to tyler hecklin as he's running through the snow i thought was beautiful it was almost seamless which is crazy because this is network television so it's supposed to look a little janky because it's a network television budget but clearly uh warner brothers you know as we've said you know they've really given them a good amount of a budget for the vfx because that was spectacular all right so the context of these uh flashes so as we saw in the previous episode superman Yes. Yeah, fact. Uh, I don't know if this was on the version that you saw in the United States or whether it was uh, a, a, an early version they accidentally sent to Canada. But uh, the version that I watched and, and rewatched just to check to make sure that I hadn't been seeing things uh, actually had an unfinished VFX shot in it. Um, in the scene where uh, Morgan Edge is throwing his crystal and it forms his uh, his version of the Fortress of Solitude, we actually have something that it comes up. The color correction hasn't been done. It's got VFX, not final, stamped on it, and time code for that shot. And it's just there in the middle of the show. Seriously? 
So if you didn't see that, I was guessing that they must have sent the wrong version to Canada. That's hilarious. No, I did not see that. And you're talking about the final scene of, at the, the Fortress of Domination. <laughs> He, uh, he's setting up his fortress just after he throws the uh, gem. Uh, as it's building up, yeah, we have this unfinished VFX shot that, that pops in. It didn't look bad. Yeah. Like, honestly, you know, if it hadn't, uh, you know, it, it, as I say, it, it clearly wasn't color corrected and, uh, and it had VFX and time code stamped on it. Um, so, you know, if it hadn't had that, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. But the fact that you could actually see VFX, not final. It's like when you're watching uh, the DVD extras, you know, for yes. Superhero movies. And they have those, you know, VXX to be added later. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, that one shot. It was, uh, you know, uh, surprising to see. That is funny. As I'm giving them praise about the VFX, uh, they send uh, the Canadians the unfinished product. That's something. Uh, wow. I, I kind of wish I had seen that, just because it sounds so... I don't know. It's like, if, if I guess if you aren't really paying attention to the TV, if you look down at the remote or something, you missed it. But, uh, wow, that's... Fascinating. All right, so the greater context of this all. So in the previous episode, at the end, we saw Clark uh, as Superman arrive at the fortress. Uh, we, we learned that because he created the solar flare, he would be out of commission for some time. And uh, our friend, Morgan Edge, decides to take advantage of the sitch. And he, um, he connects to Superman with this Kryptonian technology type of thing that allows you to see the thoughts of a person who is, like, asleep, which sounds like a huge invasion of privacy. And the fact that um, uh, the, the Kryptonian Palpatine made it is not that surprising. So uh, Morgan Edge has been, you know, going down memory lane with uh, Superman, with Clark, to find out more about him and to figure out why he has a connection to the human race. So we got a little bit of a taste during one of the flashes, flashes flashbacks. Um, you know, there was like this weird shadow. Um, I immediately knew it was Morgan Edge. I feel like the professor probably immediately knew it was Morgan Edge as well. And then we saw it later on, and then Clark realized that something was off, sort of like the scenes would progress without Clark being there. Uh, and then he finally, you know, saw that it was Edge, he breaks free from the little contraption, and they get into a confrontation. Professor, how do you think they handled uh, sort of like Morgan Edge sort of um, being in, in charge of these flashbacks? How, what did you think of Clark figuring it out and how that was handled visually on the show? And uh, yeah, let, let's talk about that first, those two questions. Uh, very creative. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, when you saw that little uh, black blur uh, in the background, even, you know, during, you know, the, the first time, you know, he's uh, he's appearing as Superman in front of Lois, uh, you realize there was something up. And then I thought they did a very nice job of uh, of playing that up. You know, the, the slight discontinuities, the fact that Superman was, uh, you know, having difficulty dealing with it. And, and, you know, it was nice because you could get a sense that there was something wrong, which didn't know what. Was it that Superman was in a coma near death? Was it, you know, the Black Mercy? Was it, you know, it, and so when we got the reveal of what it was, uh, I think they'd done a good job of, of laying the groundwork for us to go, oh, yeah, suddenly it all makes sense in retrospect. 
And uh, it wasn't, you know, a distraction or anything like that as they were going through it. I thought it was very nicely handled, you know, so, you know, very competent direction and, and good writing to, to sort of set that up. I agree with you on that. Let's talk about Jor-El, because we got a lot of Jor-El in the flashbacks, uh, training Kal-El, uh, sending him out into the world so that he can understand the humans and so, and, and so that he can figure out his own path to being, you know, a champion for humans. We got to see some of that in effect when um, when he's being interviewed by Lois and, you know, saying that he stands for truth and justice. And we see a darker parallel with Jor-El in uh, uh, Zeta Ro, um, uh, Morgan Edge's father. I thought the juxtaposition of both of them, just having them both in the episode, Jor-El does get... Um, well, he doesn't get killed because he's a hologram. I mean, he's already dead. But we do see uh, Edge uh, crushing the crystal. So, um, it, you know, and he even, you know, does the whole, you know, not tearful goodbye because he's a, you know, hologram. So it's not like he has emotions. But he was like, I love you, son, as he vanishes. Um, we do have to remember that I think Jordan also has one of those crystals. So maybe, you know, it might not be the last time that we see Jor-El. Uh, what did you think of just the fact that we got to see both of the parents, both of them, you know, completely, you know, their parenting skills, very different, I would say. Uh, yeah, Professor, talk to me about both of the fathers um, and uh, Jorel sort of being the, the almost, not the key, because I feel like, you know, the Kents also have some of that, but just being another person in Superman's past that sort of shaped him to be the person that he is in the present day. Well, we talked last episode about the idea of nature versus nurture and how that's, you know, a, a strong theme that's emerging now that we found it that Morgan Edge is apparently a fellow Kryptonian and indeed a half-brother uh, of, uh, of Kal-El. So, uh, you know, having, you know, the, the contrast in parenting styles, which was made, you know, quite overt, uh, you know, when we get to see, uh, you know, uh, Zeta Rowe. Uh, and by the way, if anyone was uh, wondering why, uh, you know, Superman's mom left Zeta Rowe for Kal-El, um, wow, once you see Zeta Rowe, you kind of understand, ooh, boy, anyone. Look at him. Good, good grief. Um, yeah, there, there, and it's funny, that was one of those things, like, I've said that, you know, uh, one of the things I've liked about uh, Superman and Lois is that, you know, they're not going cartoonish with their villains, you know, you, the, you know, we saw Kyle in this episode, and, you know, the, the bad guys that we've seen have tended to be, you know, interesting and subtle and nuanced. This guy is not subtle, he's not nuanced, this is a, you know, a, a Legends of Tomorrow or a Flash villain who's accidentally ported into uh, to Superman and Lois. Um, but no, I think, yeah, it just gets back to that whole notion of nature versus nurture. You're not good or bad because you're a Kryptonian. You're good or bad because of the way you were raised. You know, uh, Superman was raised in a loving environment, both by his parents, mom, pa, Kemp, but also Jor-El, who, you know, had a very different philosophy, you know, of, of helping him to find and master his powers uh, than Morgan Edge did, where he was being groomed to take over the planet. And, uh, you know, so, you know, the, the question is, how strong is this conditioning in both cases? Because, you know, by the end of the episode, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, it seems that Superman's conditioning to be a hero has been overwritten. Uh, Can the same thing happen for Morgan Edge? Is he beyond redemption? 
could there be a way to break him free of, you know, the way he was raised by his father, which is a form of, you know, essentially being controlled. And I think that's an interesting angle to take, you know, in a, in a, in a superhero show, you know, the, the legacy of our parents, our parents make us who we are. We are the product of their choices. And to what extent can you push back against that? Um, I think you're, you know, you, you, you might be, uh, you know, having to deal with that because, you know, you know, Kal-El has, you know, tried to reach out, uh, you know, to his half brother and, and, and appeal to him. But, you know, is it just because he's evil or is it because he was raised to be a certain way? And we talked about it last week in the context of seeing Morgan Edge's backstory, arriving on earth, being hunted, uh, and, and going into hiding to, uh, to do his plots. Now we find out there's even more. It wasn't just that he was, mistreated by the humans he encountered he was mistreated by his father so that makes him like an absolute foil to uh to kal-el who uh you know had loving parents and indeed even his hologram father was a loving parent so you know it's it really sort of shows that sort of you know that that concept that we talked about you know of, of you know superman red sun you know how would a person be different if they were born in a different environment you know how would morgan edge have been if he you know hadn't been raised by his tyrannical father or hadn't been hunted uh you know by the the humans when he first arrived uh i think it's an interesting question that uh, that that they're they're getting into and i think it's it's you know one of the big themes you know obviously the big theme uh of the the series uh certainly in its first season is the notion of family what is your family what will you do for your family uh you know how do you protect your family how do you keep secrets in the family etc how does a family relate to each other and i think this is an interesting aspect of that because now we're looking at the intergenerational aspect of that in the same way that lois and clark are trying to be the best parents they can be to their kids well now we're seeing the consequences of parenting um, we even had that a little bit with uh with general lane i think it was uh last episode where he sort of mm-hmm. sat down with and was saying, you know, I, I wasn't the best father because I put my job first and I wasn't there for you as much as I could have been. And again, I think that generational aspect is an interesting way to look at it, because even though, you know, uh, you know, Sam Lane said he you know, was not a particularly good parent, wasn't there all the time. Lois grew up just fine, uh, you know, uh, you know, tough, smart, independent. Uh, so, you know, it, it can be overdone. But I do think that's that's an important aspect. And there's sort of, you know, as I say, if the possibility of whether Morgan Edge, you know, uh, can make a face turn, you know, can redeem himself in some way. I think they're giving him the out of the fact that he is clearly not someone who is innately evil. He's, you know, he's bad because he's been made that way by society and by his father. And, you know, that sort of gives him, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say an excuse for the way he acts, but it gives him an explanation in exactly the same way that, you know, Superman's upbringing uh, explains why he is the way he is. So I do think it's, it's a really interesting foil. I just kind of wish that the uh, the father figure uh, you know, in Morgan's case, it wasn't quite so cartoonishly evil and, 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 you know, not just evil, but fat and slovenly and like cartoonishly evil. What in the Emperor Palpatine is going on? Ugh, good grief. Okay. Uh, you made a lot of great points, Professor, and I agree with a lot of them. Um, I am worried that they did give Morgan Edge Talro a complete out because I, I like, I don't know. I don't know where this character goes at the end of this season. If they are going to like 100% thwart him by the end of the season, is he written off? Is he killed? Uh, Is he redeemed? Do we want him redeemed? That I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. Uh, um, I am enjoying Adam Rayner. He is fantastic in the role. 
but where do we go from here at the end of it all? Because clearly, even after everything that's happened at the end of the episode, um, you know, he's going to be thwarted by Superman at the end of the season, we think. Um, if not, just the Earth is going to, you know, kaboom, and it's, it'll be new Krypton, which maybe they'll just rename the series. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So he's going to be taken down, but it's like, what happens afterwards? That's what I'm interested about. Because they did, you know, they did give him an additional shade, him being Morgan Edge, a Tal Row in this episode. So, yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to get some payoff for that later on but it's like how does that payoff even happen when he clearly uh he's gonna have to pay for the crimes that he's committed we'll have to wait and, and see i think you know in terms of i don't necessarily want to call it giving morgan edge an out but i think in some of the the acting choices and some of the writing there are hints of that him you know the way he appealed uh to superman to join him um you know his you know his his explaining you know he was all alone on earth thinking he was the last of his kind you know begging for a brother begging for a companion begging for anyone you know so completely alone and then to find out he does have you know a relative and by the way where the is supergirl i mean yeah. he's got he's a cousin I mean, because, again, like the timeline is messed up or there's something weird going on Uh, at the end of the episode. It's funny because I was actually thinking that, you know, when, you know, things are going to the absolute shits, I was expecting Betsy Tullock to pick up the phone and call Kara. Or when she said John, my first thought was, oh, John Jones, that makes sense. The Martian Manhunter, he should be called in. Nope, not him. Um, So, yeah, it it does seem and I, I get that, you know. COVID reasons and, you know, production schedules, uh, you know, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it does seem a little weird that uh, uh, none of the other heroes or Lena Luthor, who can make synthetic kryptonite at uh, the drop of a hat, uh, are being called in. If you're, if you're going to be part of a larger Arrowverse, um, I, I think, you, you know, you sort of do have to acknowledge that in some way. I agree. I agree. Especially after they gave a little shout out to another show on you know, the companion series that airs on the same night on the CW. It was very strange that we aren't even getting a shout-out, a phone call. I was just on the phone with, you know, Kara, your cousin. Um, You know, you don't have to come, but I think you should know. Something. It was strange. Um, Yeah, strange, 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 strange. But I've given up on asking for crossovers, even little mentions of the greater Arrowverse on Superman and Lois, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold my hope for season two. Uh, there was a, a preview for the next episode that'll happen after a little hiatus, and we did see a familiar character. So there, there, there are roots or something that are growing that are connecting something with the greater Arrowverse. We'll have to see what type of mentions we get in the next episode. So let's talk about, we'll stick a pin in this because something else happens at the end of the episode that's going to bring us back to Tal and Cal. Let's talk about Kyle, because you brought him up, Professor. So this was a big episode for Kyle, and I'm saying it as if he was featured throughout the entire episode. It was just a scene, but it was a big-ass scene because it was an incredibly mature, grown-ass moment for Kyle. You know, Kyle has been a character that we haven't necessarily agreed with, but we've always given props to both the actor and the writer 
because the writers have written the character, e- even though we don't agree with him, he's going kind of against our people, but they've written him in a way that it makes sense for the character as to why he did what he did. You know, he's a champion of Smallville for the little people in Smallville. He thought he was doing the right thing, and, and so he stuck with his convictions. And in this episode, he apologized to Lois. He apologized. He said, I'm sorry. Lois was kind of like, oh, no, it's okay. But he was like, no, I I apologize. You know, I pegged you wrong, basically. And um, it it was a big moment for the character. What did you think of that moment, Professor? Really important. And it paid off the fact that they have made uh, Kyle more than a mustache-twirling Trump supporting villain. Uh, you know, he's has had nuance, you know, even in that uh, that flashback scene uh, with Clark, where Clark was, uh, you know, uh, trying to call uh, Lana. And I thought that was important too, showing, you know, uh, the depth of, of emotion that he did have for his first girlfriend. Uh, you know, him talking about there's an opening at the fire department. So, you know, when he was that young, he got in at the fire department, he worked his way up to chief. He's become, you know, an important figure in the community. And so, you know, for him to say, you know, there's going to be a lot of blame and it starts with me, he's not. Uh, dodging responsibility. He's not saying it wasn't my fault. I was being controlled by a Kryptonian. He's saying, look, uh, you know, this, there's going to be responsibility and I'm the guy I have this responsibility. I love the fact that he has that sense of personal responsibility. And I, I absolutely love the fact that, you know, Lois was willing to give him the out, right. To say, you know, you were possessed by a Kryptonian uh, and he had to apologize. No, it's not just that, that I'm apologizing for. I'm apologizing for everything. You know, we didn't welcome you. We didn't trust you. We should have listened to you. I was wrong and you were right. I think that was a vitally important thing uh, for Kyle to say, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, his development as a character and the payoff that we got for, uh, you know, uh, them, you know, uh, he could have been so easily a two-dimensional villain, right? He's the the guy who married Superman's first love. You know, he's a small-town bumpkin, whereas they're city folk and everything like that. But they've always played him with nuance. He's someone who doesn't always get things right he's but he's someone who at the end of the day does love his family uh you know who uh you know including their you know one absent daughter who hasn't been seen since episode two um <laughs> but uh uh yeah i i really really thought that was strong and i love that he had it and, and i have to you know just having him in there you know you just have to wonder we we talked about the, the thought you know are the Kryptonian consciousnesses completely gone? Could they be reawakened or something like that? I, I wonder whether there's there's more for the Kyle arc to deal with uh, in this uh, in this season. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, but at least they do mention the daughter, so it's not like they've forgotten her. It's not like you know, you know, I forget what show it is, but they sent the daughter upstairs, and then like she never came back down. So, you know, at least they mention her, so she's. She's out there, even though, you know, she's not making that money, you know, like the rest of the cast is. Yeah, but big moment for Kyle. Loved it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle as an ally moving forward. And also, I, I think maybe this um, this episode, not, not episode as in this episode in particular, but, the, but like everything that he's been going through, that that's going to really affect Kyle moving forward. And I think we're going to see a changed Kyle uh, I think this might be the moment where, you know, maybe he'll completely stop the drinking. He won't be so, so much of a screw-up at home. This could be the birth of a new Kyle, a Kyle 2.0. And that might be kind of refreshing to see. Uh, it'll, Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting story for him moving forward. 
could have the opposite effect too. I mean, think about going through a trauma like that. He might, oh, you know, yeah. start seeking solace in the bottle even more than before. True. Let's hope we don't have to see that though. But you know, it does make for juicy drama. And this is a CW. They do love juicy drama. Let's talk about some other juicy drama. This wasn't really dramatic, but it was. Uh, it was. It was cutesy. So, Jordan and Sarah go Instagram official, I guess. Uh, well, they're, at least they're official official. They're no longer friends. They take the next step forward in their relationship, and we even get a little smooch. Are we happy for them, Professor? I mean, I would be happier if the episode didn't end the way it ended. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there, it's very cute. The way it was done was cute. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the nature, the difficulty of, you know, writing for teens. It felt very honest in, you know, a very innocent, small-town uh, America kind of way. I thought it was important that, you know, it was Sarah who initiated. I love the way it was written that uh, I don't want to just be friends anymore. And Jordan immediately, me neither. Um, you know, um, it was, you know, I think, you know, it was pretty obvious to anyone with eyes, you know, that he uh, wanted more than just friends. But to to get that uh, was great. And then uh, another little thing, like in the following scene, you know, where they're uh, getting out of the truck and, and they're walking towards the house. He just has this goofy smile on his face. Exactly the goofy smile that you would have uh, after that, uh, that sort of re- reveal. So uh, I think that was uh, an absolute delight. I agree. They were adorable. They are official. I mean, we we knew this was going to end up happening. I think it happened at the right pace. You know, they didn't, they being the writers, they didn't rush them. They allowed both of them to sort of take their time and it worked. So I'm, yeah, I was cool with that. So let's continue. Well, actually, before we continue on, there's just one little thing that I want to reference. Rewinding back to the flashbacks. Can I just say the the moment when um, Martha gave uh, young, well, not not so young anymore, but Clark, his Superman suit. I I thought that was adorable. It was so cute. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add, Professor, but it was just, I I loved that moment. We don't get a lot of Martha on this series, so the little bits that we get of her, it's it's always a joy, you know, unless we're seeing her die again or something. Um, Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that little sequence. Okay, so back to Edge. So we do get a flashback where we see um, Edge, uh, Tal, bro, uh, creating his own fortress. Um, I'm calling it the Fortress of Domination, because that's where he's getting dominated by his father. Um, and he also he wants people to submit. Uh, and uh, we, we, uh, we have um, Edge uh, go to uh, the, um, the, the farm, and he threatens Lois and the kids. Uh, Jordan tries to do his best at defending his family. It didn't work out as well as he thought it was going to. And um, Superman returns. Uh, pun. Uh, but he does, and he basically tells um, Tao that he'll do anything for him. You know, he, he, you know, don't mess with my family. You know, you want me to join you, I will join you. And so they head on off to the desert where he had created his Fortress of Domination. And uh, Superman meets uh, Zeta Rowe. And with the Eradicator, uh, you know, 
being absorbed into the fortress, uh, they end up, um, I don't really know how to describe this, they, they, they shoot down some red rays to Superman, which eradicates him, I guess, and um, I guess that's what's turning him evil or something? I, I don't really know what we saw, but we saw something. Maybe, Professor, you can explain it. And so well, Lois ends up calling a John and tells him that Superman has turned evil, that everything is happening, you know, as you said. But we're all assuming it's John Henry Irons. I feel like that is the correct answer. We do see John Diggle in the promo. So I don't think it's Diggle, but, you know, it's just... It's, it's Irons, clearly. Uh, Professor, what happened to Superman in the Fortress of Domination... Um, we have four episodes left, so clearly, I would think, Superman isn't going to be evil, and I'm using that term in air quotes for all four episodes, right? So, where do we go from here, and what do you think of the ending? It was interesting. I mean, the, uh, the red rays they showed earlier when, uh, uh, Morgan Edge was, uh, was growing up, and they were basically a, a torture device used by his father as a form of conditioning. And again, sort of the explanation as to why Morgan Edge is the way he is. Um, you know, and so, you know, I, I don't think that they overwrote, uh, you know, Superman's, uh, you know, uh, psychology with a different Kryptonian consciousness. I think they just, you know, tortured him and turned him evil. So, you know, hand-waving for that. For 30 um, seconds? Good grief. That's quite the device. It happened for longer than that. And also, Superman is incredibly weakened, so... Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I was I was quite surprised by that. I thought it was just going to be that, you know, because Superman had had sworn his loyalty, he would have to do whatever, you know, uh, Morgan Edge said. But, you know, obviously that wasn't enough for uh, for Emperor Palpatine. Uh, so, you know, they have to make Superman all evil. Um uh, yeah, and and you know the fact that you know we we've generally found that you know when you see Kryptonian's eyes glowing like that, it's not going to be a good thing. Um, a shout out to Morgan Edge, you know, uh, you know when he uh, you know uh, uh, shows up at the Kent farm, Uncle Morgan's here. Um, I know how uh, creepy was that. I know, absolutely delightful line. And and I did have this brief moment of, of where I was thinking to myself, well, maybe Jordan's the wild card here. Maybe he can take him by surprise and and use his powers. And nope, that didn't work at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, so no, uh, no deus ex machina there. I guess our deus ex machina is going to have to be uh, John Henry Irons or all the stored up Kryptonian, um, kryptonite that, uh, that Sam Lane has uh, stored up. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I guess, you know, the eradicator is still there, but in order for it to work, they need people from Smallville. Does that mean they're going to, like, attack and try to kidnap the people of Smallville? Uh, I could sort of see something like that happening. Um, you know, quite frankly, if you have two supermen, that's enough to take over the world. But, uh, you know, uh, visually it wouldn't be as interesting as as having you know a host of willing people also you know it's not just that they want to take over the earth it's that they do want to restore krypton which means that they do want to get those uh uh those personalities back uh just you know uh long shot crazy thought you know if they do you know go to uh to smallville and sort of like come up with a a way to do this on a massive scale uh you know uh turning the people um i'm wondering whether you know uh, superman's mom coming back uh, she might be the way to break through to to Morgan 
you know, um, expressing her regret. There was that line that Clark had in here where he was saying that, you know, he talked to their mother and she she didn't think he was lost, which I can't think was a, uh, a casual throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be, you know, a way to reach back, uh, you know, sort of, you know, like Darth Vader turning on Emperor Palpatine uh, to, uh, to to push this metaphor past its breaking point. Um but yeah, it does seem that we're putting that in place. I doubt that, you know, I guess we'll probably see some of the uh, the stirrings of, of the evil plan, but I doubt that we'll get the attack in the next episode. I think, you know, we're going to have to spend some time, you know, putting pieces in place. Then again, I could be entirely wrong. Yeah, like, okay. So this is, this was episode 11. We have four episodes left. And I'm like, this is the type of shit that happens in the penultimate episode. So it's like, what the hell is going to happen next? Because I just can't see them having Superman be evil. And I'm using evil in air quotes because, uh, yeah, uh, how much any of that conditioning is going to last, we'll have to wait and see. I I do think the wild card here is the fact that uh, Superman has a family. That's why I don't think he's going to turn into, you know, the all-black wearing Superman from John Henry Irons' Earth. Uh, so that's, that's the, um, the difference here. Uh, but it's like, where do we go from here? And there was an interview on TV Line with Adam Rayner. And um, basically the final question that they asked him was something to the gist of, you know, are we building to the... the season finale, you know, with this, you know, there, there are only a few weeks left, this, that, or the other, and this is his exact line, his, his answer to the question, it gets bigger and bigger, the scale of it, and just when you think that has to be the finale, they find a way to circle back around and do it all again with even more surprises and on an even bigger scale, and from now on, you'll get a series of false climaxes before the massive final showdown. It's quite a feat in building to a crescendo. And I'm like, good grief. Like, props to the writers, because we have been on quite the journey. But it's like, damn, like, after that, like, I can't wait to see the next four episodes. Because a whole bunch of shit is going to go down. And I have no idea what the hell is going to go down. I do know they are clearly going to thwart whatever he's doing. But it's like... How does that happen? And, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what they're going to do in the next episode. I'm, I'm hella confused in a good way. Uh, well, reintroducing yeah. John Henry Irons, you know, there is the possibility, because, you know, we talked about it when, you know, we found out that Captain Luthor was really, uh, you know, John Irons, um, you know, his, his coming over. We speculated on, you know, how it was that, you know, he, because he, he, he seemed to escape from his Earth to our, our Earth, to... You know, Superman Lois's Earth without really knowing how. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we assume some sort of glowing portal was involved. Uh, I'm wondering whether that might play some role in it. Uh, you know, like going back to the technology, possibly going back uh, for his daughter. Uh, something along those lines. You know, we said at the time that, you know, they, they spent a, a fair bit of time, you know, developing his daughter as a character. And it didn't see and it seemed like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of time spent on on developing that unless you were going to revisit in some way. So I am wondering whether, you know, we might get some payoff like that, because, again, we've got, you know, what, four episodes left, I think you said. So, you know, uh, even if you assume the last episode is is is, you know, denouement and Superman trying to regain the trust of the world and and, you know, dealing with the fallout of it, that's still three episodes. Uh, and they've been burning through plot at a uh, at a ridiculous speed on Superman and Lois. And I've been loving it. But, uh, you know, they, they've certainly been going quickly. 
Yeah. There's only four episodes left. If we had a little bit more, I would love to see another episode on Jen, John Henry Irons' Earth. Uh, to get to know him a little bit better and, and to really see the downfall of Superman on that Earth. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get an entire episode of that, but I hope we get at least some more flashbacks because I think we need a greater context of why Superman uh, turned evil on his Earth. Um, We also need answers as to how he got to Earth Prime. I think that's probably the biggest question that I have about John Henry Irons. It's how did he get there? And they sort of brushed it off in his episode when he was at the DOD. But that's a big question that we need answered. And if um, this series is slightly distancing itself from the Arrowverse, or at least it isn't embracing it like the other series do, uh, they need to kind of explain the concept of other Earths. I mean, the way that they handled it in that episode, it's supposed to be in the way that um, they handled it on the other shows. Like, we're supposed to know. And um, because Superman is, you know, a brand by itself, you know, uh, you would think that new people that maybe aren't interested in any of the rest of the Arrowverse watch Superman and Lois because it's a Superman property. So they need to explain the multiverse just a little bit more on this show. And maybe they can do that by explaining why he's here. Yeah. Maybe we'll get that in the next episode. Uh, Diggle uh, from the the series Arrow will be in the next episode. He was glimpsed in the, uh, the promo. So we'll have to see how he interacts with Lois and uh, we'll see if he gives us a multiverse primer when he talks with Irons, if he ends up chatting with him. Two Johns in a scene together. Well, technically they would have three Johns if, if Jonathan shows up. All right, Professor, did I miss anything? Anything you would like to discuss, a teeny tiny little moment or anything before we head into the MVP? No, I'm good. Let's get into it. The MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely, Professor, MVP, and why? Uh, you know, I think I have to give it to uh, to Tyler Hecklin just, you know, for the flashback scenes. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, that, that scene that you mentioned where he, you know, morphs from being the younger Clark into, you know, the full-grown Clark and then takes the air. And again, just the, the joy and the exaltation on his face uh, was great. I thought the scene where he saw, you know... Uh, uh, that Lana had found uh, Kyle and and realized he'd he'd missed his chance there. He played that moment beautifully and the, the consequence of it. And just you know seeing him go through the uh, the experience of of meeting Lois Lane and falling in love with the love of his life uh, was delightful. So yeah, I think he was he was really really good. Fantastic answer. As much as I want to give it to Lois because Bitsy was fantastic throughout the entire episode, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Morgan Edge. Tell Rowe. I don't agree with anything that he's doing, but I kind of understand why he's doing it. You know, he he wanted a family. He was all alone. He was abused by his father and by the world. I kind of understand him, um, at least a a bit more after this episode. And Adam Rayner is playing him really well. So uh, I will give the MVP to uh, Superman's sparring partner, for the episode, uh, Mr. Edge, Uncle Morgan. 
Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. Professor? I'll give it 9.5. You know, I love the flashbacks. I thought it was a very clever way to to deal with that. You know, it does suggest that Morgan Edge was unable to figure out that Clark Kent is actually Superman, proving once again that those glasses really are the best disguise in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little rushed, uh, especially at the end with, you know, Superman turning evil, you know, so quickly, no real good explanation for it or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the only thing leaving me feeling uh, a little less than overwhelmed by this episode. But uh, I thought it was uh, delightful. Okay. I'll cosign. I'll give it a nine and a half as well. Uh, I thought the flashbacks were incredibly strong, I thought the story that they that they used there and also the weaving in of, of things feeling off was uh, really well done as well. Um, so overall, I thought the performances were really good, and it is a, a pretty rewatchable episode. And on that note, uh, join us next time for a brand installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Smallville Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Smallville. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. A quick programming note. Superman and Lois will be taking the next two Tuesdays off, so we will return in three weeks with a brand new installment. Good night, everyone, and enjoy the hiatus.